0: We just stay in that mode of worship. Wow, that was incredible. Doesn't get any better than that. Oh, I asked Chuck to stay up here today because I'm nervous, and music calms me. Um, I haven't preached in a little while, but it's going to be good, and God is going to take over um, as He always does. So I want to start with just praying and inviting God to just open our hearts, open our minds. Let me speak. The words of life and let hearts and minds be open to truth Lord Jesus I just thank you I just thank you simply thank you for being you for being the God of all for coming as a man walking talking laughing eating praising and being with the poor and the least of these. And greater love hath no man than this, than that he lay down his life for another. Jesus, I thank you for all that you have done for us in the room. I ask that you would be with us this morning and that you would help me to speak and orate the words of life to your people, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, all right, all right. So this morning, I want to talk about storms. Because I know a lot of people, if you aren't going through a storm, I can guarantee you probably have been through a storm. And if you're new to Christianese, if you will, I'm not talking about a literal storm in the sense of like a lightning storm or a hurricane. I'm talking about a storm of life. A spiritual storm that could be ranging from anything you know that could be i 'm going through a divorce and I lost my job and that 's like a big hurricane storm. everybody I think can agree on that to a, a small storm of you know i don 't know if i 'm going to pass seventh grade, um, but it 's still a storm and Storm B over here may look to Storm A like a puny little thundercloud, but Storm B feels like Storm A to the person who Storm B is going through. They're going through the same feelings, emotions, everything that you would experience in Storm A, even though Storm A has gone through Storm B and is like, ah, whatever, man. That's. But Storm A and Storm B feel the same to their individuals. But today I want to talk about a very specific storm. If you have a device or a Bible, I'd like you to open your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to Mark 4, verse 35. All right, it says, Later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Let's cross over to the other side. After they had sent away the crowd, they shoved off from the shore with him, as he had been teaching from the boat, and there were other boats that sailed with them. A little bit of background to that. Jesus had just been telling a bunch of parables. He'd been teaching all day. He's tired. The disciples, I'm sure, are tired. And Jesus says, all right, let's get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. If you don't know, boat... Termino- Bert. If you don't know boat terminology, the stern is in the back. He's in the back of the boat. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So they shook him awake, saying, Teacher, don't you even care? We are all about to die. Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, calm down. All at once, The wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. So, let's dissect that a little bit. The Sea of Galilee is what the sea that they were on. It's about 700 feet below sea level, 200 feet deep. It's a pretty shallow lake, pretty small. It's actually like, they call it the lake. It's not really even a sea. When you consider, like, we have lakes in BC that are almost 1,000 feet deep, massive lakes. Um, but it is very well known for storms. It's very well known that the mountains that surround it create a cold air that comes down through the valleys, mixes with the temperate waters, and it creates storms. So you would think that... These fishermen, professional sailors, if you would, men who know the Sea of Galilee, like the back of their hand, they've been doing this since they were kids. They were, if you guys have ever watched the the show, The Chosen, if you haven't, I recommend it, it's amazing, but if you watch it, Peter in there at the time, he's still being called Simon. He says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what God has destined me to do. Because that's what he believed he was destined to do. He's been doing it forever. A fisherman. You would think that they would be used to storms. They would be used to these things coming up, these violent winds. So, my understanding of that and what other people understand is that this one was a doozy. This was the storm." Some scholars even say it may have been a demonically influenced storm sent to push back against what they were supposed to be doing. Jesus told them, we're going to the other side. I don't know fully, you know, my understanding, it could have been one of two ways. Jesus was either he in his innate godhood knew exactly what he was going to do on the other side and he was fully aware of what he was going to do what he was going to meet what was going to come or he was just being led by the spirit and knew I got to go to the other side something is there I have to deal with so he told his disciples we're going to the other side So these seasoned, hardened sailors are terrified. They are terrified. They think they're going to die. In the process somewhere from point A of being exhausted and tired on the shore to point B of not knowing what's on the other side, I'm sure they probably thought at this point it's probably another crowd of people waiting for us to you know do what Jesus does teach and i'm sure they're thinking oh my we're exhausted from this and we're going to this and now they are in a storm caught in the process and they go down to Jesus and they wake him up and the scripture says Jesus was instantly awake have you ever had one of those moments where you woke up from sleep and you are you're there instantly awake. There's no groggy, wake up, get your cup of coffee, that kind of thing. You know, take your time, get your eggs, Benny, you know, that kind of thing. Or in the case of Jeremy, you know, chicken and broccoli. Uh, (laughs) um, But no, there was none of that. He was instantly awake. Awake. I remember a time when I was instantly awake. I... We were living at the time in the basement suite of Sharon and Brent um, back when they lived on their home in Zurich. And in the middle of the night, I heard this little beeping noise. Now, this isn't the point of the story where I'm instantly awake, but I heard this little beeping noise, and I'm like, oh, God, what is it now? So I get up, and I go to the middle of the, this is like one big room, and then around the hall was our bedroom. And so I go into the big room and I'm finding the source of this little. Doo-doo-doo, 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 doo-doo-doo. And it's our alarm panel. And so I'm looking at our alarm panel and I see this little orange thing on there and it's flashing and it's beeping. So being the alarm expert that I am, I go and look at it and I say, Honey, get over here. I don't know what to do. And she comes out, What? No, she was better than that. What is it, sweetie? Um, And she says, she looks at it, we both look at it, and we're like, I press a button. Press the button. Press the orange button. And I think all of you out there are probably thinking, well, Pastor Chris, why would you press the orange button? That's clearly the panic button. Why would you do that? I'm not an alarm expert. So I press the orange button. It stops the beeping for a little while. We move on. We go back to bed. And we're asleep. I finally get back to sleep. And all of a sudden, this light floods our bedroom. Like f- Not like warm, soft light. Even when your dad or mom would wake you up in elementary or junior high and you'd be like, ah. No, flood, like white light, bright. I am up, instant. I'm up and I see, we had a sliding glass door at the time, and I see this light beaming on me. And I'm like, oh boy, this is it. This is the moment, man. I'm reaching for something. I'm trying to find something to beat, you know, whoever this is, shining a flashlight through my bedroom. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice go, sir, is everything okay? This is the Abbotsford Police Department. We've been sent to help you. You press the panic button. (laughs) See, sometimes what you're fighting against was sent there to help you. The exact same thing. I don't think this side got it. What you're fighting against was sometimes sent to help you in the process. To teach you something in the process. See, I didn't know it at the time, but these guys have been knocking on my door, well, my in-law's door at the time. They're knocking on the door and they think, this is, you know, there might be a basement suite. And instead, being the kindly policemen that they were, um, God bless policemen, by the way, um, they come downstairs instead of, and later I find out they were, you know, seconds away from kicking the door in. And you know how much trouble I would have been in with my father-in-law, Pastor Brent, if the door of his house while he's on vacation gets kicked in by the God they came downstairs. Oh, thank God they came downstairs. See, the disciples got lost in this process and they didn't realize that they were going to be learning something that was going to be helping them for future storms, future situations. In every single one of the Gospels, this story is told not once, not twice, but three times. They were told, get in the boat, We're going to the other side. We are going to the other side. And somewhere in their exhaustion and their tiredness and the process of getting from one shore to the next, they lost sight of the goal. Hardened sailors, massive storm the process. Isn't it funny how storms seem to hit us at our most vulnerable moments? You never wake up one morning and you're happy and you're strong and you're feeling good and you're ready for the day and you're, you know, you got that feeling like, you know, nothing can stop. And then the storm hits and you're like, I got this. Or God's got this. You know, you're like, you're always, you know, this is going to be okay. We'll make it through. The storms hit when you're at your lows, when you're walking through the valleys. Because the devil knows timing too. But not every storm is demonic. Don't get me confused on that. Sometimes storms are just sent there to help you learn something. Preparing you. So Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind, rebukes the waves. Then he turns to his disciples. Oh, ye of little faith. And I'm sitting here thinking, storm of the century... Hardened sailors, ye have little faith? What? I mean, fear seems like the optimal emotion at that point, right? Fear, panic, ye have little faith? And then I realized, Jesus already told them the outcome. He already told them they're getting to the other side. It was in the process that they lost sight of getting to the other side. It was in the process that they lost sight of what was preparing them, molding them, not for just another teaching, not for just another time where you're going to be sitting on a beach listening to Jesus going, I don't know what's going on, and then later him like being like, hey, yeah, can you explain that to us? It wasn't that that they were going to. Because the Bible, in chapter five of Mark, talks about a man that they call the Gadarene demoniac. The process of the storm prepared to meet a man no one wanted to mess with. I mean, this guy—he's eating people's dogs. He's howling at the moon. He's breaking like they it says they tried to chain this man up. And I'm not thinking, you know, like little paper clip. I'm sure they were using chains. They tried to wrap this sucker up. And he broke them. Like it was nothing. That is what the storm, the process was guiding them towards this, this guy. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew, I'm going to the other side, storm or no storm. Demonic influenced or otherwise, I'm getting to the other side. Because the spirit of the living God called me to the other side. So I'm going to the other side. The disciples forgot about everything previous. You see, David had it right. When he went before Saul, he took stories with him. You see, I fought the lion. I fought the bear. I know where my strength and help comes from. I know that the spirit of the living God rests upon me. David went before Goliath he spoke to Goliath in a way of a victor and you can speak in the way of a victor when you look to your storm and your current situation and you look into the process of what is building you and you know that this is teaching me something it's not here to kill me it's here to teach me and you look into the eye of the storm funny enough the eye of the storm is the calmest but you look into the eye of the storm and you say, I fought the lion. I fought the bear. And you may come at me with sword and with spear, but I come at you in the name of the God of angel armies, the Lord of hosts, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Gets a little gruesome after that. David tells Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off. Jesus gets up. Rebukes the storm. Ye of little faith. Then they get to the other side. As they get off the boat, and immediately, this guy is there. It says, he saw Jesus from a far way off, and he ran. Part of me believes that it wasn't the... It says the demons are the ones that talked to Jesus at that point, but I don't believe that the demons were the ones running to Jesus. Some people might... I think it was the man screaming on the inside for freedom, running to what he knew would save him. Mark chapter 5 it tells that story. It says, Mark chapter 5 verse 1, it says they arrived at the other side of the lake at the region of the Gadareans. As Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard and confronted him. The man had been living there among the tombs of the dead. No one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. For every time they attempted to chain his hands and feet in shackles, he would snap the chains and break the shackles in pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. Day and night, He could be found lurking in the cemetery or the vicinity, shrieking and mangling himself with stones. See, I told you, this guy's nuts. This guy, nobody wanted to mess with. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him screaming out at the top of his lungs, Leave me alone, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. Swear in God's name that you won't torture me. For Jesus had already said to him, come out of that man, you demon spirit. Jesus said to him, what is your name? What is your name? Mob, he answered. They call me mob because there are thousands of us in his body. He goes on to describe that they asked Jesus to not let them leave the region And Jesus cast them into the pigs. And the guys that were hurting the pigs were like freaked out. And they ran off into the city to tell everybody what had happened. And then this huge group of people comes back out to the city. And they find this guy. Let's call him Bob. Sitting there in his right mind. Bob is just chilling now. Bob is sitting with Jesus in his right mind, clothed and speaking to Jesus. I imagine at this point, Jesus is probably teaching again because that's what Jesus does. Jesus is a teacher. Jesus is probably also loving on him because that's who Jesus was, a lover. These people then They asked Jesus to leave. Because at this point, they have become so enamored and so used to demonic influence over their society that holy power scared them. And they didn't know what to do. But there's a happy ending to this story. Because even though they told Jesus to leave, In verse 18 of chapter 5, it says, And as Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, the man who had been set free from the demons asked him, Could I go with you? Could I go with you? Please, please just let me come with you, Jesus. This is the only guy in the Bible that Jesus says this to. No. Go instead back to your home and to your family And tell everyone what has happened to you. Tell them how God had mercy on you. So the man left and went into the region of Jordan and parts of Syria to tell everyone he had met about what Jesus had done for him. And all the people marveled. His community sent Jesus away, but Jesus sent him back to his community. The storm is building your process and if they had turned back in the seas and said, this isn't worth it, we're not going to the other side, a man wouldn't have been set free and a community wouldn't have been engaged and a community wouldn't have been set free. Your storms right now may seem massive. They may seem huge, insurmountable even waves crashing over your boat, fearing for death, bills stacked high, no job, COVID-19. But trust the process to stay in the boat, to go from point A, to go to point B, to learn what you have to learn. Even though it might be painful, even though it might be hard, To trust the process. Because there's no storm like a perfect storm. When everything rages on around you. There's an old saying that says, fate whispers to the warrior, you can't withstand the storm. And it says, the warrior whispers back, I am the storm. When life rages on, when fear comes around you, who are you looking at? Are you looking at the wind and the waves around you? As in another storm, when Peter climbs out of the boat, says that he walked on the water. Have any of you walked on the water? I haven't walked on the water. But when he got confused and looked around at the wind and the waves crashing around, he began to sink. And a lot of people I can feel either watching or in the building today feel like they're sinking. You've gotten too focused on the wind and the waves that you lost sight of the process of the storm. That the storm was teaching you something, but you were so afraid of loss that you didn't see what you might gain. Jesus, I pray for each and every individual here today going through storms, each and every one of them, whether it has been in the past, is in the present, or will be in the future. I pray, Lord God, that they would not be confused by the wind and the waves. That they would not look around them and feel frightened. That they would not look around and see fear and dread. But that they would keep their eyes focused on the God of angel armies. The God of the process. The God who teaches, loves, adores each and every one of them. Because on the other side, you're going to get there. Jesus already told you that. Like Justin was talking about earlier, about we get so caught up in some of these prophetic words and we either forget about words that we've been told or we get enamored with words of the future and we lose sight of our process and what God is doing right here, right now. We lose sight of the words that have been spoken over our life that may seem small but are for the here and the now and the process. You might say, I'm supposed to speak before thousands, God. I'm supposed to travel the world. But your process hasn't adapted to telling the guy at the gas station how much Jesus loves him. Jesus, I'm speaking to me too, guys. Jesus, fix our process. Fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Fix our eyes on the heavens. But let us remain so heavenly minded that we are also earthly good. Jesus, I thank you for what you are doing in Windward Ministries and around the world. And wherever this message goes, Jesus, I pray that your voice would be heard and that people would be set free so that civilizations, cities, towns, hamlets, nations, would be affected because people took their eyes off the wind and the waves and adapted their process to what Jesus had for them. To rebuke the storms and say, you're not going to get me to take my eyes off the process. I know you're here and I know you're teaching me something and I know maybe you're not going away right now especially in the case of everything that's going on in the world right now, it's probably not going away anytime soon. But I'm going to adjust my process. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to let as many people know the love of Jesus. Because many times, people are just starving for love. They may not know it. They may even be so angry that they can't accept it. But deep down, that's what they're starving for. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done here today. Jesus, I thank you. I kind of feel led right now, that if anyone, as we close, if anyone is going through the storm, not the past right now, they're going through it, they're in the ringer, they are in the boxing match and they're 12 rounds deep. Beat up, not feeling it anymore. I want to pray for you. If everyone could stand. And if you're feeling that way right now, just lift your hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, Jesus, I pray for these individuals that had the boldness to stand up and say I am going through it I am feeling the pain I am going through the storm and the trials and the tribulations and maybe I have taken my eyes off of off of the King of Kings and I have put them on the waves and I'm a little I'm a little scared right now Jesus I pray that your holy presence your spirit of the living God, God of angel armies, would come and rest on every single one of these individuals. If you're near someone with any of these individuals and you are comfortable with it, reach out your hands to them. Jesus. I pray for each and every one of these individuals that they would take their eyes off of the waves, put them on the God of angel armies, And understand and know the peace that passes all understanding. And I speak to their storms, their winds, their waves, and I say, hush, be still, calm. And may the Spirit of God, Yahweh Yeshua God, holy and righteous one, Lamb of God, slain before the foundations of the earth. Rest upon them. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. In Jesus' name, amen.